Hello, this is Leela Viss, and welcome to Key Ideas. Piano teaching doesn't come bundled with ready-made solutions. This podcast highlights some brilliant options for innovative piano teachers just like you. I've been working on a new resource for a number of weeks, and I'm not quite sure what to call it. Initially, the idea came from an old post about lesson notes and my progress scores. This year, I decided to do something with the data from those weekly progress scores, and it seemed to be a topic that interested other teachers, so I began figuring out a way to share my ideas. And then I listened to a podcast interview with Anita Collins, and the project morphed into a new level of clarity of what kind of practice is the most effective for kids. In the interview, Anita Collins shed light on something I have never thought of before. As teachers, we are gifting students with more than just skills at an instrument. What I concluded is that measuring progress is really measuring something even more important. The journey to my conclusion started with a question I posted in my Facebook group called Piano Pedagogy On and Off the Bench. The question was, Would anyone be interested in how I measure progress and how I inform student parents about the progress using some analytics and charts? And though I thought it was kind of a small question and it would be a relatively small blog post, I encountered a big picture moment as I worked through this resource. Recently, I listened to an episode from Tim Toppin's TopCast featuring, you guessed it, Anita Collins. One particular quote of hers jumped out at me. We are breeding resilience out of our children. Her argument is that when parents let their children quit a musical instrument because things get hard, their child is missing out on learning an important life skill. Playing a musical instrument builds resilience in musicians who stick with an instrument even when the going gets tough. Around the same time that I was listening to Anita Collins' interview, I was preparing my session for the MTNA virtual conference. The session's called Keeping It Together When Life Falls Apart. The gist of the session? Now, I don't want to spoil it, so I'll keep it brief. It's my search for how and why music seemed to be a powerful healing agent after a devastating trauma hit our family. And then this question came to me. After being struck by a boat, we watched our son Carter endure 68 days in the hospital learn how to walk again on two legs that were considered almost irreparable, adapt to losing an arm, and return to playing the piano with one hand. Did his practice efforts to play the piano and the bass guitar for over 20 years have something to do with his remarkable resilience at age 26? I don't know if there is scientific evidence to prove the answer to my question. Yet, after listening to the episode and witnessing Carter's recovery, I claim to some degree that being a musician helped Carter power through and overcome staggering odds. As you continue listening to the rest of this podcast about how to measure student progress, I encourage you to consider two things. When you measure progress, you measure resilience. And you are not only a music teacher, but also a resilience breeder. We'll be right back. Hey, Drew here. 
There's a special event coming up hosted by the infinitely imaginative Nicola Canton of vibrant music teaching called Teacher Turbo Boost. Teacher Turbo Boost is a five-day event from March 29th through April 2nd. The format is a series of short bits of wisdom from various teachers that get you up and moving and motivated. Think of it as a camp for music teachers. Nicola's goal for us is to reset and refresh as we head towards the last couple of months of the teaching year. Leela will be part of the fun, and she'd love to see you there. To learn more and to register, check out the episode notes wherever you're listening to this podcast, or go to leelavis.com slash keyideas. Now, back to Leela. So back to that question I posed in my Facebook group. Would anybody be interested in how I measure progress and how I inform student parents about the progress using some analytics and charts? The post received dozens of likes and comments from interested teachers. So apparently this is a hot topic, most likely because of two reasons. Many expressed an apprehension about delivering honest feedback to students without discouraging them. And others were interested in how to tangibly measure progress. So how can progress be measured? Years ago, I developed an efficient system that gives weekly solid feedback to students. The time saver system began as I worked towards more effective lesson notes. Like most, I began writing lesson notes in a binder hoping that students would find them. I attempted to work magic by color coding weeks and other tricks to entice students to dig out those assignment sheets buried in their book bag. The magic worked, but only occasionally. Then I began emailing lesson notes with a brief synopsis of the lesson, practice instructions for the next week, important reminders, and my thoughts about the quality of practice that week. I was pleased to hear through an informal poll that most all student families read the notes and usually printed them off for their pianist to read at the piano. Parents reported that they liked these thorough notes, However, on my end, this system was far too tedious and time-consuming. I needed a way to streamline the service, making it easier on me, and yet providing quality feedback for parents and students. So while vacuuming, an idea came to me. You know, manual labor seems to bring on light bulb moments. My idea was to use a ranking system that immediately offers valuable information to parents about how their pianist is managing practice time between lessons. Although this idea sounded good in theory, there were hurdles to overcome. I needed to figure out how this system could provide value that wouldn't be soul-crushing, that would inspire, that would measure practice without the tedious job of tracking the amount of time, that would acknowledge hard work over praising talent, that wouldn't compare the student's level or playing ability, and that would save me time, yet help to still connect with parents on a weekly basis. I knew I needed a system to be in place to measure this progress. So after much deliberation, I came up with progress scores using this scale. Five means, wow, you exceeded my expectations, all goals were met, and then some. Four means, excellent, all goals were met, and progress was made by consistent and effective practice. Three means nice. Most goals were met, but some were not due to lack of time or unclear statement of goals or the goals set were too difficult to meet. 
Two, okay, some goals were met, but practice between lessons was not effective and did not lead to much progress. And then one, ho-hum, looks like last week's goals will be repeated as little or no practice occurred and little progress was made. Soon after introducing this rating system, parents told me that they were eager to read the solid feedback of their pianist's progress each week. Some told me that the progress score serves as a leverage for the amount of screen time allowed within a week. Now, in order to make this work, my assignments had to be generated around desired goals and outcomes. It had to start with rock-solid assignments that were clear because this is the only fair way to approach a rating system for your students. They have to know their goals and they have to have an objective form of measurement for achieving those goals. Next, I had to make sure that my students understood the goals and expectations for the week on each assignment. If it was not clearly discussed and communicated, then I knew my system could fail. And finally, the weekly goals had to involve student input. I had to set goals as a team with them. I had to let them make the call on how much of a piece to practice or what kind of practice strategy to use. I knew this would keep them accountable to me and more importantly, to their intentions. So how to set these goals for assignments? That would be the next question. According to goal-setting guru, Kaylin Brook, goals must be concrete, actionable, and follow her ACT method. A stands for achievable. Goals should be within reach yet aspirational. They should not be something easily attained and somewhat of a stretch so that enthusiasm doesn't peter out. And C, they have to be clear. Next, the goals must be well-defined, easily measured, and quantified. From week to week, there should be visible progress. This means that my students need to learn how to practice and talk fluently in a practice lingo. So to learn more about how I teach students to practice, Head to my blog post at leelavis.com slash key ideas. And then I also have some really cool digital practice stickers. And those will be included in the show notes as well. So with goals and cleverly labeled practice tips, my students could be equipped for achieving levels of mastery from week to week. Now, I recently upgraded my levels of mastery after listening to a podcast from the Bulletproof Musician. Here are my levels now. My first level, survival. Barely hands together, but getting close. The next, learn. Hands together with gaps in timing. The next, proficient. Hands together with correct timing aligned with a metronome. The next, mastered. Hands together with correct timing, few slip-ups, dynamics, and articulations. And the last, memorized. It rocks. And then, according to Kaylin Brook, the last thing is that goals need to be time-triggered. Each assignment should include how many times to practice a passage with intention and a hard due date. And usually it's the next lesson. So to learn more about all of this, I've talked about this before in another podcast, Six-week sprint, that's the trick, is to do things in six weeks. I won't go into details about that now, but make sure to head to that episode, which I'll link in the show notes. Now, what do we do with our students once we are going to measure this progress and give them ratings? Studies show that us humans are motivated by how others do. Take a look at your electric bill. 
Most likely, it shows how you are doing at a glance with a smiley face or a frown. And it also shows how much electricity you are consuming compared to your neighbors. There is a lot of research out about social incentives. I have another blog post that's called One Thing That Guarantees Home Practice, and I recommend reading that, and I'll include that in the show notes as well. So in light of the power of social incentives, I want to share with parents the weekly progress scores of their pianist and how those scores compare to other students in my studio. It was important to me that no names were included, only how students ranked among other practicers. To do this, I got help from my son, Levi. He's a recent business and analytics grad. So with a few fancy formulas past my pay grade, Levi generated a spreadsheet that tabulates the following stats for each student or practicer during the 14 weeks of my sessions. It includes the weekly progress score, the total of the weekly progress scores, the possible total, the average progress score across the studio, the percentage of practicers who rank higher or lower than the student, and the studio rank, which shows how the student ranks among all the other practicers. Okay, so I know, is this too many numbers, too much math? Yeah, I get it. If this overwhelms, I encourage you to begin by borrowing my number system. After each lesson, share that number with your student families on your assignment sheets via emailed lesson notes. And for those using Tanara, I create an assignment label called Progress Score and it remains at the top of students' assignments from week to week. Students open it up and immediately can see their progress score and read a quick note of encouragement from me. So how can students take more ownership in their progress? As I mentioned earlier, I tuned in to Tim Toppin's podcast interview with Anita Collins. She's well known for her viral TED Talk and TEDx videos, the benefits of music education and how playing an instrument benefits your brain. I highly recommend watching both. The episode from Tim's podcast is called What to Say to Parents When Their Child is About to Quit Piano. In the episode, Collins covers many topics related to practice and neuroscience. She explains her exploration with her own students and her vast knowledge of the available research to help them monitor and reflect on their practice habits. Studies show that practicing a half hour versus 10 minutes can give a practicer the same benefit. It's all about efficiency. Collins wanted to help her students apply the findings and help them to understand that if they practice one way, they can get more benefit. If they practice another way, it will take them a lot longer. In her discussion with Tim, she describes a scoring system that equips her students with a way to evaluate their practice over the week. Here's how she first explained her ranking system to her students. If you play the piece from the beginning every single time, and when you get to bar 18, the hard part, and you don't take it apart and practice it, you get a 1 out of a 10. But if you went straight to bar 18 and took it apart and then put it back together into the piece, you earn a 10 out of 10. So after hearing this, I decided to create a system that practitioners could use that correlates to my 1 through 5 ranks. It's inspired by Collins and the rankings that she co-created with her students based on brain engagement. 1 means just for fun. Your brain is out to lunch. Two means ineffective, avoided the hard parts. Three stands for not bad, could have used more diligent practice strategies. And four, you nailed it. Hard stuff was practiced and the prescribed practice strategies worked and goals were met. And five, supercharged, massive brain power applied to effective practice using prescribed strategies that resulted in progress 
above and beyond what was expected. (laughs) Collins used smiley faces to help students rank their practice. I've done that in the past too, and then recently came up with a new graphic system. Coming at progress with ranking systems that keep parents informed and students accountable to their progress may be the ticket for empowering the three-legged stool of piano lessons, the student, the parent, and the teacher. This combination of progress ranking systems provides you with a peace of mind that you are doing your part, and it gives your students a sense of ownership that their progress ultimately belongs to them. And it provides your student parents with a feeling of trust in your program that keeps them in the loop and gives them a vocabulary to support practice at home. Feel free to borrow my scoring system and tailor it to suit your needs. And if you are inclined to gather data to share with your parents, my progress spreadsheet chart is available for you to use as well in my new resource. Now, how do you discuss effective practice with students so they understand what that means? Along with a progress data chart to share with parents, I came up with a special bonus with this new resource that I'm creating. It's an emoji rating wheel. This emoji chart offers a clever way to open up a lesson. My students look forward to moving the pointer to the number that best describes their practice over the past week. Now they talk freely and frankly about how effective their practice was because they have the lingo to describe it. In fact, within two weeks of using this chart, I saw a marked increase in student self-awareness and a desire to raise their level of practice so they could give themselves a higher score. By allowing your students to observe and rate the effectiveness of their practice, you keep them engaged in their learning. When engaged, they're much more likely to stick with their instrument. And according to research, when they stick with an instrument, you are endowing your students with a lifelong skill called resilience. Now, more than ever, I'm convinced that measuring progress is all about measuring resilience. For a complete transcript of this episode, head to lelavis.com and look for my blog post called Maybe Measuring Progress is Measuring Something Even More Important. And you'll also find links to my new resource, that I think I'll call Effective Practice Tracker. That includes a tutorial video on how to tabulate progress scores and how to share them with your parents. And of course, it includes the emoji will that gives students the lingo to be rock star practicers. I leave you with this quote from Peter Drucker, an influential thinker on management. Efficiency is doing things right. Effectiveness is doing the right things. This is Leela Viss, in the trenches with you, encouraging musicians for life and breeding resilience too.